We all need a shot of encouragement to keep us going. A new beginning with Greg Laurie is sure to help in your journey of faith. Hear it twice daily. Details at vision.org.au. Connecting faith to life. Vision. The story. So everything was going as well as as far as we knew and then we went to the um, 20-week ultrasound scan and the doctor called us sort of within a couple of hours after that and asked us to come in the next day, which is never a good sign. Mm. And um, when we met with the doctor, we learned that Stephen actually had a fairly rare brain condition. So it was just a total unknown for us from then on. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax and welcome to The Story. A mixture of grief and loss today from Hannah Bolland as she shares some difficult experiences that she and her husband have gone through, but with a bit of a twist. You see, Hannah is a stand-up comedian and only began doing comedy after the tragic experiences in her life. We'll find out how she reconciles both tragedy and comedy today on The Story. Hannah Bolland is chatting with Shelley Scullin. You are a comedian these days, but you first started your performing career as a jazz pianist. At what point did you start incorporating the comedy in there? Gee, well, I've played music mostly my entire life, and so I guess I've always been used to performing, and it was um, a couple of years ago that I actually, um, yeah, decided to branch out and, and try and make a show that incorporated comedy as well as the music. And you are quite accomplished in the jazz music as well, aren't you? Well, well. (laughs) (laughs) Not to blow my own trumpet or anything. I wouldn't put myself right up there. I used to play professionally down in Melbourne, which is where I'm from. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I studied down there for a few years and and played around as a professional muso. But I I discontinued that because it really is a a very hard lifestyle and it Mm. it doesn't um, pay you know, a lot to support yourself and no. I was just, um, yeah, I, I wasn't so passionate about it that I was happy with the struggle. So I gave it away professionally, but I'm so grateful for the skills that I've learned, yeah. Yeah, there is a whole lot of skills that you can learn from music in general, let alone uh, performing as well. For sure. You grew up in a Christian household, had a relatively normal upbringing and things, but then you walked away from God in your early teen years. You returned to God after you were married. How did that come about? Wow. Um, yeah, that was quite a time, actually. I I have had chronic fatigue syndrome, or had had for um, quite some time, and um, fibromyalgia as well, which is another sort of chronic pain disorder, and then... Um, moving away from home and um, trying to manage those illnesses and being married even with a person that you absolutely adore is not always easy, especially those first couple of years and and getting settled into routine and and just learning how each other's family works. And I'd also moved into state away from my family. So, and then um, we had our first child, Alison, um, about a year and a half after we were married. So there are a lot of pressures sort of coming all together at once and um, in amongst all that I just really felt God speaking to me and as the pressures got more and more I just really felt drawn back to him and I just remember sitting um, in my chair one day I had sort of um, felt led to go back to church so I'd been attending a church for a couple of weeks and um, been reading my Bible again and 
And just one day, I just remember it just feeling so overwhelmed by all, all the pressures that were on me and, and the way I was feeling. And I just gave it all over to God and asked for his forgiveness. And I, I actually remember that moment so clearly because it was just like I felt his hand physically um, reach down inside me and just lift this huge burden off me. And it was like I could breathe again. There was a real physical um, sort of feeling as well and um, I just remember almost dancing my way to work that morning and, and knowing beyond a doubt that um, God had answered my prayer and um, that he was real and that it was the start of a, a really rich relationship with him as an adult. And you've never looked back from that point and he has carried you through some pretty dark days as well. Your first two kids came along, how old are they now? Yes, so I have Alison who just turned seven and Harry who just turned six. So they're 51 weeks apart. So <laughs> they're, they're the same age for exactly five days every year. <laughs> wow, that must have been very busy, particularly in the early days. Oh, it was full on. So, yeah, I was, um, you know, fell pregnant again with like a, a three or four month old baby. And so. Wow working my way through motherhood for the first time and I don't have very easy pregnancies and feeling very unwell. So oh, no. <laughs> it, it, ever since then, um, life really has been a roller coaster and, and that, that sort of was the start of, of that, really. You have a couple more kids that will never get to experience those same things that Alison and Harry are experiencing. I know that must break your heart. It breaks my heart to even say it. Can you tell us some of the story? Let's start off with Stephen. What's Stephen's story? Okay, so um, in 2011, my husband and I were expecting baby number three. Um, we'd already had two miscarriages. We had a miscarriage before we had Alison, and then we had a miscarriage before Stephen. And yeah, so 2011, and we were really wrapped because this pregnancy was viable, as the doctors sort of mm. um, call it. It's such a terrible term, but <laughs> that's what they call it. Yeah. And um, so everything was going as well as, as far as we knew. And then we went to the 20-week um, ultrasound scan and the doctor called us sort of within a couple of hours after that and asked us to come in the next day, which is never a good sign. Mm. And um, when we met with the doctor, we learned that Stephen actually had a fairly rare um, brain condition called um, holoprosencephaly or HPE. And there are varying degrees of HPE. There's sort of a, a less you know, severe version where kids can grow up um, with, with a few complications, but fairly normally, right through to sort of this um, worst case scenario, which is what Stephen had, which basically means that the, the brain um, fails to divide, but it actually fails to form. And so in his skull where his brain was supposed to be was mostly just a, a cavity of fluid and a little bit of grey matter. Mm. Um, so obviously that was just devastating news and, and we really had no idea from that point whether or not, like how long he would survive either in utero. So I didn't know if I was about to give birth to him any point from then, whether he would be born alive, whether he would live for a couple of minutes, days, hours, um, even a, a couple of years as some of um, the babies with that condition have been diagnosed to be. So it was just a total unknown for us from then on, but knowing that one way or another our son was very sick and he was not going to be um, bound for this, this earth for very long. 
Yeah, that would be pretty tough news to take for any parent. And I just don't know how you would get through that time. But you did. He ended up being born alive at 34 weeks. You got to spend a couple of days with him. That must have been a real blessing to at least have some time with him. Yeah, it's it's funny. I think um, the lead up to his birth, a couple of days leading up to his birth, because they tried to induce me and um, there was a whole rumorol of things that um, the doctors sort of put me through in order to bring him into the world and I actually wrote about that journey um, in a book called 47 Hours with a Prince where I I talked about um, you know the way that the doctors had treated me from the diagnosis right through to the birth and and beyond because there really was a big issue Um, the doctors put a lot of pressure on my husband and I to terminate the pregnancy because in their words that um, our baby's life wasn't worth anything Um, really it it was of no value yeah and he certainly wasn't worth risking any complications uh, for me for so um, we had this uphill battle um, right up until the very moment he was born. So the couple of days leading up to the actual birth were really traumatic in, in the things that the doctors put me through. So when he arrived, I, I was so exhausted and, you know, again, I think just being exhausted and having had so many weeks of lead up uh, to that point my husband and I, I just remember thinking once we were in the post-op sort of room because he was born by a C-section, just sort of he was struggling to breathe and, and we really thought we didn't have, you know, very many minutes with him and we prayed with him and, and we sort of felt in ourselves that we were ready to let go and he ended up um, living for 47 hours, which at the time it was really, really hard but so precious as well and we're just so thankful that we got that time with him. Yeah. I mean, while it's tragic that you only had 47 hours with him, at least you did have 47 hours as well. I guess you can look at it two ways, hey, that it was a blessing to at least be able to cuddle him and kiss him and let him know how much you love him in that time, as opposed to doing what the doctors were pressuring you to do was to terminate his life. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And we've only ever felt that way ever since that it was an absolute blessing to have that time with him. Yeah. Mm. Sadly, the tragedy didn't stop there as well. You conceived a baby girl a couple of years later, but uh, tragedy struck again. This time it was just a tragic accident. Yeah, so we um, we waited about 12 months after Stephen was born and then we thought that we would try one last time. And so we fell pregnant with a little girl called Esther and um, everything was fine. Stephen's condition was not a genetic condition. It can be, but it wasn't in our case. It was just, I think it was like a, a one in 1.25 million chance of him actually coming to um, full term with that condition anyway. Mm. So we felt quite confident trying again that there were not going to be any complications and, and there weren't as far as the pregnancy went, you know, we were very anxious, of course, but once we got through the the twenty week mark and and everything looked really good on the ultrasound and Allison and Harry, you know, the the loss was so tragic for them as well after Stephen that you know we were all very much looking forward to introducing Esther into the family and unfortunately at, at thirty four weeks again um, Esther passed away and 
although it's a little bit unclear exactly what happened, the best guess is that she was asphyxiated on the umbilical cord in utero and yeah, she, she just um, passed away. It was a complete accident. She was otherwise a, a completely healthy and normal baby and it was just such a shock and a tragedy. You're listening to The Story. Today we're hearing Hannah Bolland share some tragic experiences she and her family have gone through. Still to come, we're going to find out how she reconciles the pain and grief in her own life with becoming a stand-up comedian. That and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Shelley Scowen's conversation with author, speaker and comedian Hannah Bolland. She's been sharing about her tragic loss of two babies and the impact this has had on her life. After losing Esther, it's, it's been a stark contrast since um, when we lost Stephen. I think with Stephen, because we knew ahead of time, um, although I don't think anything ever really prepares you for the tragedy that's about to come. We spent a lot of time in prayer and, and seeking God's word and, and seeking God about it and coming to a place where with Stephen's um, situation that I, I don't even can't even say that understanding because our understanding of how God chooses to allow things to happen, um, I think it's still very limited even for the most insightful and godly mm. people. And um, but we we were at at peace with it um, in a sense, and we had sort of had time to process that. And even though I, I was uh, did suffer from very bad depression and post traumatic stress um, after Stephen died, um, our understanding of the situation overall hadn't changed. And although there were many things and questions, I I had. To, for God and I think depression too really affects um, your Christian walk as well and, and things that would not normally be an issue um, all of a sudden become an issue or that that was the case with me. Um, so as I went through a very deep depression, um, there were a lot of questions and, and things I had to work through. Uh, but in the end, you know, sort of really came out of that feeling a lot stronger and just feeling closer to knowing the real God, um, not just the, the God that um, we thought we knew. Mm. But um, having gone through that a second time, um, it's been much harder because we really felt that Esther was, uh, well, they call it a rainbow baby. So after you lose one baby, if you... Uh, fortunate enough to have another child, they call it your rainbow baby because it's like the rainbow after the storm. Mm. And losing Esther was such a, a tragedy because she was our rainbow baby and all the blessings and joy we thought we were going to have um, by way of healing through that as a gift from God didn't happen. Mm. And so everything that we had already questioned got questioned again and probably even on a, a deeper level um, mm-hmm. this time around as well. So I actually wrote another book 
um, not long, or started writing another book not long after Esther died. Um, and it's a book called Superstitious Christianity, which I understand is a title that makes a lot of Christians recoil just at the sound of the title. But the whole point of the book was to ask questions about God and what we actually believe as Christians and how much of it we actually build up in our own minds as opposed to what's based in the truth about God. Mm. Um, Because, you know, I think we get into a habit a lot as Christians thinking certain ways about blessings, you know, what our definition of a blessing is, or if we pray a certain way, you know, God's definitely going to answer in a certain way. And and that sort of um, cause and effect is is just like superstition, really. If you do something a particular way, it's going to get a result. Um, So that's why the book is called Superstitious Christianity. And I spent a bit of time with um, some of my godly mentors just um, asking the really hard questions that I was facing. And they actually wrote back their responses and we compiled it all into this book. So if you're someone who's going through some really um, tough things or someone who just, you know wants to explore some of those really tough questions that a lot of Christians don't really know how to answer, um, uh, you know, that's that's a book that might be worth reading. Mm, sounds fascinating. And I think you're so right in that we tend to build up this picture of God that might not actually be theologically correct as well. Hannah, it's really an amazing journey that you've been on and you've been telling us about the deep grief that you have for the children that you won't get to nurture. They've gone to be with Jesus already, one that was stillborn and one that only lived for 47 hours before he was taken up to Jesus. And it's hard enough for you to get through that and your husband as well. But you had two small children at the time as well, and they knew that mummy was pregnant. They knew that they were getting a little brother or sister twice. How did you go about getting them through their grief while also trying to process it yourself? So, well, with Stephen, um, we were so blessed that they actually were able to come and meet Stephen in that 47 hours. So we got some very precious family photos all together. Um, We had told our kids, so our kids were two and three at the time that Stephen was born. And we had made the decision early on, like within a few days after we'd found out about his diagnosis, that we would tell our kids that Stephen was very sick and that he was probably not going to live for very long. Because we have just always had a philosophy in our parenting that you don't cotton wool your children just for the sake of cotton wooling them, that you you coach them through life and that's how you prepare them to become responsible, useful adults and, and also godly adults as well because God doesn't protect you from everything by any means. So, yeah, rather than shielding them from it all, I mean, we were... We were cautious in, you know, how we approached that and and to make it age appropriate, but we never hid from them the fact that um, Stephen was unwell and that he wasn't going to be around for very long. And so we actually had a a lovely photo shoot done while I was pregnant with Stephen at, at about 32 weeks, I think. And those photos now are just so precious to all of us because, um, so I was heavily pregnant and and the two kids and my husband were all in that shoot and it was such a special time together and even though uh, my kids were so young, having done all of that, they still remember that now and remember it as a special time. 
Um, in terms of after it had all happened, um, my depression and post-traumatic stress was, was so bad. I, I was almost bedridden for quite some months. And I'm, I'm very blessed in that my husband is an absolutely wonderful, supportive man. And I, I also, my mum and dad um, live in a, a granny flat on our property as well. So physically being able to help me with the kids, um, you know, God really provided for us in, in that way because I just was not physically able to look after them with yeah. all the stress that I was under. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really hard, you know, as a mum particularly, I think, just going through such an awful dark time yourself and knowing that your kids need you and just not being able to be what you want to be for your children. Yeah. And I learned a lot about grace <laughs> during that time. I learned about um, God's grace towards me and then the grace I need to have towards myself as well and just knowing that, just relying on God to keep all that together. And he did. And, you know, Michael and I, we, again, tried to be there for our kids and, and talk about them as much as they wanted to talk about or just being sensitive and aware that if, you know, there was some unusual behaviour or um, things that they were struggling with, just trying to be a little bit more open-minded about the, the deeper reasons behind that mm. Um because it had been such a stress. Um, after losing Esther, I have to say it has been more challenging because they've been a bit older. And, you know, the questions come up about, well, why didn't God answer our prayers? Or, you know, how can God let this happen? And just what do we trust God for? Why do we bother trusting him? And, and all, all this sort of thing as well. So it has been a lot more challenging this time around because at the end of the day, uh, Michael and I haven't even had the answers to those questions. Who who does have the answers to those questions? Yeah. So trying to coach your children through it. Uh, we're running out of time, but I do want to talk to you about your comedy because it kind of seems to be a bit of a juxtaposition. Here you're telling us about these really dark times in your life and you suffered you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, clinical depression and anxiety, so you became a comedian. It, how does that work? <laughs> I think that's usually the resume for most comedians, isn't it? Well, that's anxiety true. and some sort of traumatic life event. Yeah. <laughs> How did that happen for you? Why why did it turn to comedy? Yeah, it's um I've always enjoyed um well as I said at the start of the interview, I've always enjoyed performing um with my music and for a couple of years I had been a Christian speaker or an encouraging speaker as well and so I've always enjoyed encouraging people and trying to build them up and my favorite thing is getting someone to laugh and when I was at the lowest of my lows um, the things that really helped me were either watching a really funny movie or, or a comedian on the telly or going out with friends and having a really good belly laugh and in amongst all of the the depression and the darkness that was in my life at the time, it actually just gave me a reminder of what it was like to laugh again. And even though the effects, you know, weren't long-lasting at the time, it's it was just such a hope-filled experience because it reminded me of what it was like before 
all the tragedy happened and as I said what it was like to laugh again and it just helped me on you know for that next little bit and that next little bit and so after I started to come out of the deep depression after losing Esther I so badly wanted to be able to give that to other people who were struggling and I also wanted to do it in a way that also shared with them the hope that we have in Jesus because at the end of the day for me I can't see how I would have made it through you know these tragedies without that hope and Mm. so for people who either were Christians or not Christians um, even I think people who are Christians suffer just as much in terms of their grief and their depression and they can question so I think it's equally important to be reminded whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian about the hope that we have in Jesus and to yeah, build people up in that truth and also in laughter and, and in joy. So that's the basis of where it all, all came from. Yeah, and I think it's great that you're getting out and breaking some of that stigma as well that comes with the post-traumatic stress disorder and, I guess, uh, mental illness in general. You're getting out there informing people of what it's like and letting them know that you can still be a normal person as well. Uh, Hannah, it's been great having a chat with you. If people want to know more about your ministry, hannahboland.com.au is the place to go. She's got a couple of books, she's got a DVD, and also a whole bunch of YouTube clips on her website as well of her speaking. hannahboland.com.au, that's B-O-L-A-N-D. Hannah, thank you so much for your time this morning. Really appreciate your encouragement, and I'm sure it'll be an encouragement to a lot of people out there. Oh, thanks so much, Shelley, for having me. That was Shelley Scowen chatting with author, speaker and comedian Hannah Bolland. And as we just heard, Hannah turned to making others laugh only after going through so much pain in her own life, as she found it to be helpful in dealing with grief and wanted to be a blessing to others. And of course, the Bible says, a cheerful heart is good medicine. So laughter really is a wonderful gift from God in many different ways. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. As I'm driving up, now the weight is on the back of the trailer and there's just enough moisture in the ground that it begins to slip. Then I jackknifed the tractor and then it rolled on its side and onto me. I have no recollection the moment I jackknifed it, the next moment the tractor is on top of me like an elephant standing on you. Bud found himself tragically pinned underneath his tractor and had to endure 18 hours of excruciating pain before help finally arrived. We'll find out how his faith helped him get through this near-death experience next time. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.